Good morning. We invite your attention to 1 John, the first epistle of John. I'm certain you will all agree there are times of discouragement in the journey of life. It may be in your experience in the past or perhaps in the present. You've reached a place of discouragement so strong assurance and hope begins to fade away. Perhaps leading to doubt. Perhaps about your relationship with God. I believe we can all admit during these last two years there has been for many of us, perhaps every one of us, frustration, discouragement, and perhaps leading to areas of temptation and perhaps even to doubt. What do we do about that in those times when pessimistic thoughts and questions repeatedly occur to us, putting pressure against our faith. Certainly those are times to pray. And it may also be you have someone close to you, a faithful Christian you can confide in and be helped to embrace the joy of being a Christian. Are there portions of Scripture we can read and study to lift us up, to renew our assurance and our hope? And the answer is yes. Along with many other passages, 1 John contains statements well suited to renew our assurance. And so let's approach it this way. What can we know? Now there are some things we cannot know. We cannot know all about the future. I preached about that last Sunday night from James chapter 4. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. God is the sovereign owner of time. If the Lord wills, we will be here tomorrow to carry out our worthwhile plans. But we don't know for certain about the future, except for this. The Lord will come, but we do not know when. So the question remains, what can we know in the present about our relationship with God? Especially in times when our minds seem to lean toward discouragement, there is the need for knowledge from God to calm us and motivate us into the pathway forward. What can we know? in the present about our relationship with God. I need for you to have your Bible open to 1 John and I'm going to take us to four different places in the first epistle of John. 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. 
My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2, 1 through 5. We can know that we know him. Context. John is writing to people who were hearing many different conflicting voices. There was talk of Antichrist, false teachers, some who had left the faith, denials of the deity of Christ, hard times. Confusion was spreading like a virus. Persecution was a way of life for Christians. The world, the culture was not friendly. The very last verse in 1 John is a warning of idolatry. All of these things going on around them. Very tough days for Christians then. So it is likely that despair and doubt came into the minds of many. Here is part of John's response. First in this passage, if you have sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Don't carry guilt around. Penitent confessions through our advocate can bring forgiveness. But now look at verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now lock into two words. We know. It is not guesswork. It is not like the lottery. It isn't slippery human speculation. John says we know. In the King James, the word know is used 496 times in the New Testament. John, in the Gospel of John and his epistles, uses the word know 33 times. Now that's emphasis. This is assurance. It is the language of assurance when John says, we know. But it is accompanied by something. It is conditioned on something Here's the complete sentence. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now that's John's written statement. It's not my commentary. 
I'm not reading something that isn't there. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That's the language of assurance from God through John for us right now. So when I'm suffering from a lack of assurance about me and God, when hope seems to be fading, when I think I just can't be certain, I need to read this. In the context of 1 John, with emphasis on that word, no, and then immediately I need to make sure I'm doing what accompanies that assurance, keeping his commandments. Knowing Christ, John says, always means obedience. It always means obedience. Now, when you start thinking of obedience, you may begin to face your personal shortcoming. But remember where John started, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And back in chapter 1, John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We can know that. Here's a question. What is it that can keep us from obedience? What condition, what crisis, what person, what group, what news event, what disease, what can keep us from obedience? One thing, lack of will to obey. To say that another way, I can obey God if I want to. It may be extremely hard at times. People around me may not help. Conditions in the culture may work me into a rage some days. But I can obey God if I want to. And here's the language of assurance. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. I think it's valuable when you read this passage to just pause right there at verse 1 and let that sink in. Called children of God. We've all heard people say, I am the proud son of, or I'm the proud daughter of, and they name mother or father. 
parents, family. Family pride is generally a good thing. Especially if our parents led us to Christ, made us aware of God's grace, taught us the Bible, and gave us a good example. Our heritage can be an important part of our well-being. But now, move higher. Elevate that. Just pause and consider what a privilege when you read this and you know that you've obeyed the gospel and you're living as a child of God every day. To be called children of God. And John then says, and so we are. That's the language of assurance. When you were baptized, if that act was according to what the New Testament teaches, you became a child of God. You entered into God's family through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ now being your elder brother. But we can't just pause there and stop. There is more because John wrote more. Listen again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. Here again is assurance and privilege connected to hope. But John speaks of hope in this manner. We shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. That's a tremendous boost, rich encouragement there. But what goes with that? Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Privilege and hope is connected to personal purity. And Jesus is the teacher and the example of purity. As I follow him, embrace him, reflect his purity, I have this hope as a child of God. Again, you might ask, what if I waver in maintaining this purity? What if I don't keep up the standard? Remember, we have an advocate. And remember, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So no excuses. If I desire assurance and hope, John connects that with obedience and purity, with Jesus as our advocate. 1 John 4 is our next stop. 1 John 4, verses 11 through 21. 1 John 4 Verses 11 through 21. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence. Confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. But he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Do you believe God is love? We learned a song a long time ago, many of us, Jesus loves me. All of us can quote John 3.16, God so loved the world. As we read scripture and sing songs and listen to preaching, we are reminded of the wonderful love of God unmatched by anyone on earth. In Romans 5, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God could not have expressed his love for us in any greater or more vivid way than in the person and work and cross of Jesus Christ. We believe in the love of God. We believe God is love. Well, what should that belief do for us? <clears throat> well, it should be seen in us. John says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Perhaps some of our doubt about us and God comes from our failure to love as God loves. Verse 20 speaks to that. If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. Strong language. Well, let's take that and be honest about it. There are people who ir irritate us. There are people we just don't like. We disagree with the way they do things. We let them get under our skin. We don't want to get to know them. We may want to find fault in them rather than offer help to them. We may even struggle to speak to them 
We can become cold and prejudiced and maybe even arrogant. And when we let all that attitude develop and reside in us and we go in and feed it from time to time, it can erode our ability to love people. And then comes hate and we've departed from God who has never done anything to irritate us. If I'm discouraged, one level of discipleship I need to examine is, does the love of God abide in me? And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Maybe some of our doubt, some of our discouragement comes from attitude inside us. One more. Turn to chapter 5. <clears throat> First John chapter 5, 13 through 15. First John 5, 13 to 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. These verses repeat the words John wrote earlier back in chapter 3, 21 to 22. We have confidence before God to receive what we ask according to his will. Observe how two things are connected. One is something we do, and the other is the way we do it. <clears throat> we pray, that is, we ask, but how do we do that? We must do it with confidence. Now, pause at this point and let James supplement John in James chapter 4. James wrote about people who ask and do not receive because they ask wrongly. And in James, this is associated with the teaching of James in chapter 1, that the double-minded man who is unstable in all his ways, is not praying with the confidence of faith. James takes up the negative of this, while John takes up the positive. And the positive statement is, the one who prays with confidence, takes that confidence from answered prayer. There is a perspective of doubt that can hinder our prayers and therefore our discipleship. To pray, considering our petitions to be mere chance appeals to random providence. In the James reference, that's the double-minded man who doubts and is unstable in all his ways. This perspective of doubt, if put into words, would sound something like this. Well, I don't know if this is going to work, but I guess I'll pray. Maybe something will happen. Oh, well, I prayed, 
And there was a good outcome. I don't know if God had anything to do with that. See, that's, that's absence of confidence. Absence of confidence. But when we pray with full faith in God, trusting His providential will and wisdom, John says we're praying with confidence, therefore have confidence when our prayers are answered. Though the answer may not be in sync with the timing that we want, or the exactness of our request, we believe God's answers are wiser than our request. When we live in submission to God's will and we approach Him in prayer through Christ, with confidence, the result is confidence. John says we have what we have asked of Him. So, to circle back to our question, what can we know? John says, we can know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. We can know we are children of God when that knowledge motivates purity. We can know that we love God when we love our brother. And we can know our prayers are answered when we pray with confidence. Praying with confidence results in confidence. We live in very difficult and uncertain times. But there is no difficulty and no uncertainty in knowing what God has revealed for us to do and for us to be assured of. One more thing about prayer. When we read and study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we learn about Christ from prophecy and the epistles, let us be assured that the mercy, compassion, and love of Christ that He had on earth, He has in heaven. And the Bible says He intercedes for us. He is as meek, as gentle, as willing to help now as He was then when He was on the earth. We know that and we can take that with us into every day, every prayer, every episode of worship according to the will of God. Certainty for God's people written clearly by the Apostle John. What is your response as we stand together and as we sing?